examples of several different ministry duos. We've looked at uh, Moses and Joshua on Sunday morning. We looked at Elijah and Elisha on Sunday night. And now we're looking at another ministry duo of Paul and Timothy. In fact, pretty much I'm going to do a character study on Mr. Timothy and examine his life. And then, of course, we want to apply it as best we can. But if you wouldn't mind, let's start in the book of Acts in chapter number 16. And let's examine the life of Timothy. Acts 16, and notice with me, if you wouldn't mind, in verse number 1. Acts 16, in verse 1, the Bible says this, Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there, named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of the by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in the quarters, for they knew that his father was a Greek. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark the name of Timotheus in Acts 16 and verse 1, Timotheus. And I'd like to preach to you a character study from Timothy, Timothy, and I would like to subtitle it, Investing in Eternity. Timothy, Investing in Eternity. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today, I'm just asking that you would again open up the doors in a special way. You'd open up our hearts, open up our mind. Let the Bible come alive. Let it speak to us. Lord, I'm asking that we would all have a Timothy heart, that we'd be willing to learn from a Paul, that we would just allow our lives to be poured into, that we'd be teachable, and that you would just do something to carry on, to continue the work that you have set forth. Again, I recognize I don't have any ability. There's nothing special about me. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just asking that your word does all the work tonight that you would make it clear, you let it be understandable, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's look, and if you wouldn't mind, and let's examine the life of Timothy, and let's see his relationship with Paul and what God has done with it. The first thing I'd like to show you and teach you from the Bible and, and remind you of is his early life. His early life. Now, Timothy, his mother was a Jew and his father was a Greek. We see that in verse 1. Then he, that's Paul, came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek. Now, this made him a little bit of an outcast in his life to... um, to the Jewish people because to them he was almost like a half-breed. His dad was a Greek, he, uh, his mother was a Jewish and so here he was, he was stuck as an outcast in between two worlds. He didn't fit in with the Jews and he didn't fit in with the Greeks. And so this is how he grew up, grew up kind of in the midst of two worlds. His father died early in life, so he was raised by his mother Eunice and by his grandmother Lois. That mentions them later in the book of Timothy. By the way, these were two godly ladies. And these godly ladies, a single mom and a grandma, took the time to teach this son and grandson 
the scriptures. It talks about later on in Timothy that uh, from, uh, from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. And it was because of a grandma, because of a single mom who took the time to teach the scriptures, to teach him to have faith in God, to teach him to trust in God. Now, Timothy was probably converted in Paul's first missionary journey. Now, if you recognize where he's from, notice what it said. Then came he to Derby and Lystra. Lystra was where uh, Timothy was from. And if you remember in Paul's uh, first missionary journey when he went to Lystra, He had a pretty exciting time. Remember, he was preaching there and the Jews came from the different quarters and they took Paul out and they stoned him. You know who one of those converts was when Paul was preaching there? Timothy. Timothy probably got saved during under Paul's preaching and he was there as a brand new, young, saved teenager when Paul was taken out and he was stoned. You bet you he never forgot about that. He had known Paul. Paul come, led him to the Lord. And he watched Paul as he had suffered and, and, and literally died for the cause of Christ. Of course, God raised Paul up immediately after and he went back to the same city and he preached again. Made, probably scared everybody. What do we have to do to get rid of this guy? But Timothy remembered that. Now when Paul left... Timothy stayed in his local church and it said there was a certain discipler, a follower of Christ. Literally what was going on that Timothy started to grow in his own church. He started to follow the Lord. He started saying, preacher, what can I do to help? He started to already in his life begin to serve and this allowed his life to be easily turned and moved as time went on to follow after Paul when he came again. Now, Notice this in verse number one again. Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported by the brethren that were there at Lystra and Iconium. And here's this young teenager, and by the way, Timothy's a teenager at this time probably somewhere between 15 to 18. He's a young man, a young teenager, but he has a well, he is well reported of the other Christians. They say, hey, you want to see someone who loves the Lord? There's Timothy. You want to see someone who's a great help to the church? Man, that's Timothy. You want to see someone who's willing to do whatever and he's so teachable? There's Timothy. Timothy was well reported of by the brethren at two different cities. They all said, hey, you really want to find someone who's in love with the Lord, even as a teenager? That's Timothy. That's Timothy. Let me tell you, there's something amazing about having a teachable spirit. When you are opened up and say, just teach me, I'm willing to learn anything, just teach me. And because of this spirit, because of this attitude, because of his hunger for the Lord, he was well reported of. So when Paul's coming through, people say, hey, Paul, you got to check this Timothy guy out. You got to see this young man. And when Paul met him, he says, this is what I've been looking for. He says, I've been traveling around. I'm looking for someone like this that I can pour my life into and I can make him just like me. That's what I'm looking for. Someone who says, just teach me, teach me, teach me. I'll do whatever you want. Just teach me. And Paul found this young man. How do we know he's teachable? Notice verse number three. 
Him would have Paul have go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews that were in those quarters for he knew for they knew that his father was a Greek. Remember what I told you about uh, Timothy being stuck in two worlds. He had to follow the Jewish customs to a point. But he was also outcast. And part of what made him separate was this idea of circumcision. Circumcision was an Old Testament uh, covenant that God had given to the people. It doesn't give salvation, doesn't give special powers, but it was a sign that they were different. And without being crude or anything, uh, let me tell you, it's just a special surgery for men. And Timothy is a 15 to 18 year old at this time. And he submitted himself to Paul to go to this special surgery. This is a sign of how teachable he was. Paul, whatever it takes. Now, does this mean that he was, uh, did circumcision have some special power? No. Did it make him saved? No. But what it did is it allowed him to have an audience with the Jewish people. That he was following all of their customs. Not that it meant anything for salvation or anything. But it allowed him to be able to preach to the Jewish people as well as to the Greeks. Without this circumcision, he would have been shunned by the Jewish communities. This allowed him to be able to have access to the Jewish people. And once again, it was because he was willing to follow Paul. Paul had heard about this young man. He found him and he says, I want you to follow me. But before we go, we have to take care of something because people know your heritage. They need, you need to be able to speak to them. So would you submit yourself to this procedure, even as a young man? And he said, yes. And this showed this teachability. It showed he was willing to follow the Lord. And this was able, uh, this teachable spirit was going to pay off dividends. If you wouldn't mind, let me show you a second thing. Discipleship by Paul. Discipleship by Paul. Turn with me, if you wouldn't mind, to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 3. 2 Timothy, chapter number 3. Now, I define discipleship as developing the habit of obedience to Christ. And that's a true statement. But discipleship goes above and beyond that. What it is is pouring your life into someone else. And what Paul did is he took Timothy and he poured his entire life into this young man. He poured everything he had, his knowledge, his customs, his manners. In fact, that's what I want to show you in 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3, and let's look starting at verse number 10. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 10, it says, But thou, now notice who's speaking, Paul is speaking. Who is he speaking to? He's speaking to Timothy. This is not to a church. This isn't to a group of people. This is a letter from Paul to his son in the faith, Timothy. So, but thou, so thou is the Timothy, but thou hast fully known mine, or Paul's doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions and afflictions that came to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Notice what he says again in verse 10. He says, but thou hast fully known... Why does he fully known this? Because Paul has poured himself into it. Paul has taken his life and he has poured it into Timothy. And because of this, Timothy has fully known. What is he fully known? Notice the first thing. This, whenever you come to Bible list, slow down and pay attention to these things. These are important. 
But thou hast fully known, first of all, my doctrine. The word doctrine means belief and teachings. He says, Timothy, you've been around me. You've traveled with me. You've heard me preach. You've fully known my belief and my teachings. Paul has taken the time to fully teach Timothy everything he knew. He poured himself. He says, you know everything I believe. You know where my borders are. You know what I believe. You know how I believe it. You know how I say it. You know everything. Notice this. But thou hast fully known my doctrine. You have fully known my manner of life. Timothy, you know how I live my life on a daily basis. How could he know that? Because he traveled with Paul. He saw Paul every day. He saw him in the good days and the bad days. He saw how Paul lived his life consistently. Let me pause here. Let me teach you something about teaching. In teaching, we have two types. We have active teaching and passive teaching. Active teaching is what we're purposely trying to teach. Passive teaching is what you learn without being said, learn this. For example, you learn passively how to say things from a preacher. You learn passively uh, how he may say things, how he carries himself. For example, uh, let me give an example. You might notice that when I stand up and I ask you to turn to the scriptures, I don't say, turn your Bibles, please. Or without the please, I say, please, if you wouldn't mind, take your copy of the Word of God. Please open your songbooks. I try to be courteous. And what happens without knowing it, you'll start picking up on that as well and start giving requests and start saying, you know, there's nothing wrong with being polite when you're asking someone to do something. But, you know, that people will pick up on that passively because that's the manner of life. That's how he carries himself. Paul taught Timothy by just being around him, traveling with him, taking Timothy everywhere. He has fully known Paul's manner of life, how he lived his life, how he carried himself, how he brought himself, how he dealt with issues. Notice this, but thou has fully known my doctrine, my manner of life. Thou has fully known, Timothy, my purpose, my purpose. He says, Timothy, when you traveled around with me, You knew what my purpose was. You knew what my goal was. You knew why I did things. You knew, you watched me and you knew when I did this, what I was going to. You knew my purpose. You saw why I did things and how. Notice this. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose. Notice this. Thou hast fully known, Timothy, my faith. My faith. Timothy, you watched me. You watched me as I went through the hard times. You watched how I had faith in God. You watched me as we went through hard times and I trusted in God. You watched me how I just depended on God. You knew my faith. You watched how I trusted God and I wasn't dependent on myself. He says, Timothy, you you know my manner of life. You saw my faith. You saw my purpose. Notice this. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith. Notice this. But thou hast fully known, Timothy, my long suffering. My long suffering. What does long suffering mean? It means you suffer long. <laughs> it's a nice Bible word for patience. Don't you know there's some people that tried Paul's patience. And Timothy watched as Paul dealt with people 
who tried his patience, who aggravated him and maybe tried to, you know, imagine all those Jewish people. How would you like to have a whole crowd of Jewish people who followed you town to town just to get you killed? He was patient with him. He was long-suffering to these people. And Timothy watched him, and Timothy learned patience from him. May I give you an illustration? I remember sitting in Crown College, and um, we had a guest preacher come in who immediately, immediately opened up and says, I have a message that's going to save this college. I'm going to keep this college from going down. And he uh, opened up the Bible and said, I want to preach to you uh, seven ways to, f- uh, to spot a pseudo-fundamentalist. And one of those messages where he opened the Bible, said a verse, closed the Bible and never returned. And everything he preached was everything we were against. I mean, it was opposite of what the Bible said. And I watched uh, Pastor Sexton sitting there just listening. And I watched the other staff members. They were at the edge of their seat. They were waiting for permission. Just go ahead and say the word. We'll dump them off stage. They were just waiting for it. You know, and we were all as a college. We all kept our eyes on the pastor and them. We we stopped listening to the guy because he was preaching so much garbage. But we were just waiting to see how is this going to happen? What do you do when someone's from the pulpit running down everything you believe and saying that you're wrong and preaching everything opposite of what the church stood for? And I watched at the end. Pastor Sexton didn't say dump them off or anything. Pastor Sexton came up at the end of the message, put his arm around the guy. And he says, I've always appreciated you. And you said some things today that I really wish you didn't say. He says, but I want to let you know that I love you. And I care for you a lot. And the guy was selling books and he was hoping, you know, in a college setting he could sell a lot of books. Pastor Sexton uh, took him out and said, I'm sorry, I'm going to cancel the rest of your meetings. I can't have you preach here. But I know that you were expecting to get a lot of income. So what I'm going to do from my own personal account is I'm going to recompense you from all of your losses, but I can't have you preach here again. But, you know, literally when he put his arm around the guy and he told him that he loved him, and that he still cared for him, and he didn't tear him up. He tried to undo some damage kindly and compassionately. I learned something about compassion, about long-suffering, about, you know, everyone else was waiting to cheer him. Yeah, get him off, throw him off. But that wasn't the correct response. That's what we would like to see, but that wasn't the correct response. We saw his long-suffering, dealing with people That caused him problems. And by the way, he did get problems because of that message that he had to deal with and try to correct and try to fix. But he was patient with that man, even though that man did him harm behind his own pulpit. He was long-suffering. And you know, and that stuck with me as a pastor. I want to try to be long-suffering with people as well. Even if they do me harm, you want to be long-suffering. Notice this. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering. Timothy, thou hast fully known my charity. Charity. The word charity means love. But it goes above and beyond love as we know it. The word charity has the idea of a love that cost me something. 
with no hope of return. A, ca- a, a, char- a love, charity is a love that cost me something with no hope of return or, or you know, no plans of return. You know, we don't mind a phileo type love. Phileo is a Greek word where it's a reciprocal love that if you love me, I'll love you. We have no problems with that. Hey man, we can love anybody as long as they love us. But what about a love that cost you something? Do you have that type of love? He says, Timothy, you watched my charity. You watched my love for people even if I didn't get anything back. You watched me care for people even if they just scorned it or they took it for granted. You watched my charity. Notice as he goes on, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long suffering, my charity. Then he goes, my patience. You know my patience too. Let me tell you, preacher boys require lots of patience. (laughs) Church people require lots of patience. Pastors require lots of patience. We have to have patience. That wasn't a good place to put amen. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, You know, we have to be patient with people and we require patience. But he says, Timothy, you've watched me be patient with people. You watched me as people come up with problems and sometimes they're frivolous problems. And you watched me be patient with people. You watched me as I learned to wait on God. That word patience carries the idea. You watched me learn to wait on God. You know, we all get impatient. Come on, God, hurry up. Come on, come on. God works on his own timetable, not ours. He says, Timothy, you watched my patience. You watched how I was willing to wait on God because I trusted him. He says, you've learned that from me. He goes on to verse 11. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, my patience. Notice this. But thou hast fully known, Timothy, my persecutions. My persecutions. Timothy here had watched Paul suffer and still desired to be in the ministry. He watched Paul as he got the short end of the stick. He watched him as Paul was abused, as he was persecuted. Literally people following him just to get him killed. He watched as Paul got to jail. He watched as Paul was beaten with stripes. He watched as Paul went through shipwreck and suffering and hungering and fasting. He watched Paul go through all of that. And Paul says, you pay attention to this, son. You pay attention to my persecutions because you need to know how to go through them. You need to know how to deal when persecutions come. You need to know that ministry isn't a bed of roses, but you need to know that ministry is hard. He says, thou hast fully known my persecutions. Thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, my persecutions. Timothy, thou hast fully known my afflictions afflictions which came to me at Antioch and at Iconium and at Lystra what persecutions I endured but out of them all the Lord delivered me he says Timothy you might remember the hard times but I want you to remember that God delivered me out of each one of them you may look at the deep valleys and by the way we often park at the deep valleys 
we go through our life and remember this pitiful thing that happened and this horrible thing and this pain. But sometimes we forget that God delivered us out of them, that God brought us through them. He got us to the other side. And he says, Timothy, you, I want you to know my persecutions. You were there, you watched them, but I want you to remember most of all that God delivered me out of them, that God was still right, God was still faithful, God still did his job. Timothy, I want you to remember that you have fully known all of this. Again, what had happened is that Timothy was an open container and Paul poured himself out into him. And Timothy gained all of this and learned all of this. Notice as it goes on, verse 12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Jesus Christ shall suffer persecution. If you've never marked that verse, mark that verse. That is just as much as a promise of God as John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we all say, Amen! Let me tell you, just as true as John 3.16 is 2 Timothy 3.12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That is just as much as a promise as John 3.16. There are no exceptions you might think you're the exception but you're not but if you know that it's coming and it's for the Lord's glory you'll willingly go through it doesn't mean that you go beg for it you know hey hey I need persecution but you need to know that it's going to come now you're ironing uh, board falling or you're burning the pizza that's not persecutions okay uh, don't don't make that persecutions. But there are going to be some people who are not going to like you because you're a Christian. There are going to be people that are going to slam the door in the face. There are going to be people who laugh at you because you're a Christian, because you believe in the Bible and whatnot. That's more what it's talking about. Just because you had a bad day doesn't say, oh, I'm being persecuted today. That's not persecutions. Persecutions is what Paul went through. Notice verse 13. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. The most horrible thing about the deception in the world is that self-deception. For example, you take a presidential candidate like Bernie Sanders. I'm afraid he actually believes what he says. And he's self-deceived. He is self-deceived. I think there's plenty of people who are outright liars and you can't believe what they say. But for people like him, I actually believe he does believe what he says. It's the self-deceived people that are, are the worse off and they make their lives worse because of this self-deception. But notice verse 14. So because of all of this, thou hast fully known all this, Timothy, verse 14, but continue... Thou in the things which thou hast learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. We're talking about the idea of discipleship. Timothy's part was to be open, to be a servant, say, teach me, invest in me, pour yourself in me. Paul's part was to pour himself. And after he poured himself, Timothy's responsibility was to continue. And the same things he had been taught of. You know, if you pour yourself into someone and they don't carry it on, 
it is wasted time. Imagine if you wouldn't mind a relay race. You guys remember a relay race? Maybe like the Olympics, so they run around in circles a couple times, and they pass that baton. And let's say that you're in a winning team, and so the first person has gone around, and they pass the baton, and the second person has grabbed the baton, and they run around. And the third person, maybe you're the fourth person, and you've gone around. Then after that's the fifth person, and they grab it, and they kind of lazadaical walk and waltz and... Not in a big hurry, not in a care. Don't you go, come on, run, man, come on. You know, for people who don't continue after they've been poured into, that's exactly what it's like. Come on, man, I passed it. You have something important. You got it. It's your job to finish the race. Doody, 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 do. Hmm, what's over there? That's not what. He was trained for. That's not why he was invested for. He was invested to continue in the things that thou hast learned. And he says, remember who taught you. He says, I've invested myself. You have a responsibility to take these things and continue with them. And continue with them. Every Timothy has a responsibility to continue. Every Timothy has that responsibility because someone invested in them. I want to show you one last passage, if you wouldn't mind. The book of Philippians. If you're in 2 Timothy, go back the other way. 1 Timothy, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, Colossians, Philippians. Philippians chapter number 2, if you wouldn't mind. So we looked at Timothy's early life. We saw him as a young teenager who, who... got saved, and began to be faithful in his church so much that the other disciple or, uh, other church member said, hey, this is a young man who really wants to learn. This is a young man who really wants to do something for the Lord. This is a young man that you can trust. When Paul heard this, he looked at Timothy. He probably investigated him, looked at him some, and he says, I want you to follow me. And Timothy said, yes, sir. We see this discipleship progress process where Paul poured himself into Timothy and that Timothy fully knew everything about Paul, his doctrine, his manner of life, his patience, his persecutions. He knew all of that. Now he had the orders to continue, to continue. So how did Timothy turn out? Did he turn out as a bum? Did he kind of just mess everything up? How did Paul, how did Timothy turn out? Turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 and notice with me verse 19. Philippians 2, 19, Paul is writing to the church of Philippi and he's trying to encourage them. The book of Philippians is one of the most joyful books. In fact, the word joy is actually a key word of Philippians. And he says in chapter 2, verse 19, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send you Timotheus shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man, notice this next word, like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Paul is writing to the church of Philippi and he says, hey, I can't come to you right now, but let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send Timothy because I have no one else who's so like-minded that I am than Timothy. Basically what he's saying is that because I can't go, I'm going to give you the very same thing. I'm going to give you the best thing. I'm going to give you Timothy. And when you get Timothy, you get me because he is like-minded. He naturally cares. He knows all this stuff. He has fully known my 
my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith. He knows all of this. And when he comes to help you, it's just like having another Apostle Paul there. Notice as he goes on, verse 21, For all seek for their own, not the things which are of Jesus Christ. But ye know the proof of him, that as a son with a father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to sin presently, so soon I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall come shortly. He's saying, you know the proof of Timothy. You have evidence that this is a man who thinks like me, who talks like me, who knows what I do and acts like me. And he's going to come and he's going to be a help because I can't be there. He's going to be a help there. He said, I'm sending you to Timothy. I have trained him. He has fully known the things. He's sought for the things of Christ. There's proof of his faithfulness. He's been the faithful to the authority. You can trust this man to be a help. What Timothy ended up being used by God was he was part of Paul's missionary team. Paul had started over a hundred different churches. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? And oftentimes when he would go to a church, when he would leave, he would leave Timothy behind for the purpose of training up a new pastor. And once that new pastor was trained, Timothy said, you're good. And he would go back and go help Paul start the next church. And Paul would leave and Timothy would be left behind to help with that new church to train other people. And then set a pastor up and then he would go again. Basically, because of Timothy's efforts, Paul was able to go start a hundred plus churches. Because he had a Timothy, he could trust to be trained, to go behind. And so much more work could be done because he was trained. What a wonderful testimony that was of Timothy. That Timothy was, could be trusted and that it was just like having a Paul. That he had fully known the doctrine, his manner of life. He knew all of that. He was so equipped. Turn back with me if you wouldn't mind Second Timothy chapter 2. And let me show you something I've already showed you before. But I want to remind you of this. Second Timothy chapter 2 and notice verse number 2. 2 Timothy 2, 2, it says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Here in this verse, we have four people. We have a Paul. We have a Timothy. Timothy is supposed to teach faithful men who are then in turn to teach others also. With the four people, there's a Paul. There's a Timothy, there is faithful men, and there's others also. Who is your Paul? I hope that you allow me to become your Paul, where I get to become almost a spiritual father, where I get to invest in you, I get to teach you, I get to pour my life into you. Some of you ladies, I really pray that you let Miss Leah become your spiritual Paul. That you would allow her to pour your life into. And that what's going to happen, we expect you to continue. We expect you to find faithful men or faithful women. And to train them so they will take others and teach others also. This is that idea of discipleship. That we're pouring ourselves to you. That you could take someone else and pour your life into them. And as we find people to pour their life into. Guess what? We can accomplish so much more when people are able to help us. When they're trained to help us. When they're equipped to hate When they fully know what pastor is doing. 
You know, when a church understands the pastor's heart, where he's going, what he's doing, and why he's doing it, and they get on board, the church can move together. Everyone goes forward. This is why we're taking the time to teach people outside of church. We want to pull people in discipleship and we want to pour our lives into them. So that way they are trained and they can be a help and we can go forward, do so much more. But beyond just helping the church, this is how Christianity works. Every one of us have a Paul. I can name you some of my Pauls. I'm thankful for my pastor back home, Pastor Greg Hardesty. I still call him up. I still talk with him. I still ask him for advice. You know, you say, you've been pastoring for a while. Yeah, I still, I still need advice. I still need to bounce things off of. Of course, I always have crazy things. He says, I've never heard of that before. You're the only one. Uh, that's my stories. I give him all kinds of stuff. You know, I'm thankful for a Pastor Sexton who who was able to teach me. He he taught me so much about speaking and picking my words wisely. I don't always do that. I need to do better. But there are certain phrases you hear from me and that's because he has taught me to say things in a certain way to make sure that they're teachable, that you could go and repeat them again. For example, it all begins with God. You hear me say that over and over. I say that enough that you might actually go in your mind, hmm, well, it all begins with God and get with it. I'm trying to say certain things in a certain way. I'm thankful for that influence. There's other people. There's a Charles Elliott. I miss him so much he was a blind evangelist I was able to sit at his feet literally he was blind but he would travel the world and go preach he would go to India (laughs) go fly on a plane or go get on a plane he'd he'd be blind I mean literally blind man I used to sit at his house and say just teach me teach me hey you need a ride somewhere I'll give you a ride just so I could sit with him and let him talk and let him speak to me. I mean, preacher, can I shine your shoes? Can, can I, what can I do for you? Oh, I learned so much from him. He was one of my greatest spiritual fathers. I call him my mentor. I, I would travel wherever I could just to hear him and just to listen to him and, and let him just teach me. We all need to have some poles in our life. We all need to be Timothys in our life where we just say, teach me, teach me, teach me. And then eventually you need to become a Paul and you need to find a Timothy and you need to keep this thing going to invest and to pour in your life. We're all at a different stage. I'm at a stage where I have Timothys. In fact, there's been times now that Lord's allowed me to go that Timothy has taken and, and teach others also. And I'm thankful, Lord, for that, that they've kept, he's found faithful men and they're teaching others also. But this is how it goes. What are we asking you to do tonight? I'm asking you to be a Timothy. I'm asking you as I'm still your new pastor, that you'd be teachable, that you would say, teach me and allow me to pour myself into you, that you could learn these things, that you could fully know my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my perp- uh, uh, patience, my long suffering. Let me pour myself into you and that you would take this and continue and that you would be looking forward to having your own Timothy and pour yourself into those people and let it continue on. Again, I'm just praying, that's what I've been praying for this message, that there'd be something in your heart that is crying out and says, that's what I want. The Holy Spirit inside saying, that's true, that's true. 
that there's something inside of you that, that craves and says, teach me, teach me, teach me. I'm willing to become your Paul <laughs> if you're willing to open yourself and allow yourself to be a Timothy.